You have queued up The Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation recorded at the New York City Concert Hall, Roulette. You can hear thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's past and present and find news of upcoming events celebrating innovation and imagination at roulette.org. Aren't you curious? The composer and musician Zena Parkins is a major figure in the New York City and international experimental music scenes as an award-winning creator of classical ensemble works who also plays in electric bands and free improv groups. How did this all start? Zena Parkins, an accomplished pianist and accordionist, established a presence in New York's raucous and noisy downtown music scene as a harpist. In this edition, we explore both the origins and the fruits of Zena Parkins' work. Here's a sample of Zena Parkins with electronic percussionist Ikawe Mori at Roulette in their Phantom Orchard project from 2012.
Zena Parkins's composed works are often musical portraitures of historic female influencers, and she is widely admired for her performances on an instrument that she imagined and co-designed, the electric harp. Here is the remarkable story of its creation. Just say something that you would like people to know about this evolution of the harp in your life. I was a piano piano student, serious, serious piano student, mm -hmm. and I went, I studied harp because when I went to high school in Detroit, a Detroit public high school, I want to add at the moment, an amazing school called Cass Technical High School, you auditioned to get in in the music department there, and as a pianist, I got in, and they they decided to assign all pianists an orchestral instrument because they figured they're already so good on the piano. It's they won't take them that long to learn a new instrument because they wanted to socialize the pianists because the poor pianists are left in the practice rooms alone all the time and they don't talk to anyone. And they they felt sorry for us, and they were going to try to help us. So <laughs> I was assigned room 105 annex in a building that was eight stories tall with 5,000 students in it in downtown Detroit. So I go the first day, you know, in the back, the most back part of the ground floor of this building, opening doors, closing doors, opening doors, closing doors, finally open the last door into a small room with eight concert grand harps in it and a woman named Velma Froud who taught us how to play. And she was a seriously old-fashioned but really great teacher. And if you agreed, then you could learn to play harp in the, in the next three years, which I did. The thing is, it was a super intensive, concentrated three years of learning to play the instrument, and I knew immediately that that was gonna be, that was my instrument. Wow. You know, I knew, and I knew, and right away, I didn't wanna be a classical harpist. I mean, I knew a lot. I had a lot of clarity, which is not normal for me. But I didn't know <laughs> what I was gonna do with it, but I knew I wanted to do it. I knew I was good at it. You know, I had a natural whatever. I was super fascinated by the physical challenges of the instrument. And um, it, it just, yeah, it just it spoke to me in a way that other instruments didn't. I love piano, but it just was something different. And it was really nice to play an instrument that had less references. There was, in those days, it was, there were, wasn't a lot of contemporary harp music written, so it was a lot of playing piano, you know, transcriptions of piano music, which I felt was a total waste of time because most of them had already played on piano and they sounded better mm -hmm. on the piano. You know, it was a moment that, um, it was a moment waiting to happen, what I would do with it but I, I sort of learned the really strong basics of the instrument in that, in that time. And I guess we should at least touch briefly on the electric part of yeah, this. Yeah, and then, yeah. Because you, you conspired to have an electric one built, Well, the, right? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, um, when I came to New York with my acoustic harp, I played, I was instantly involved in so many great things in the mid-80s, 84, and with... Butch Morris and the Conductions, which was the beginning, I now know were the big, actually the very beginning of his Conductions the, the, that he counted chronologically. Mm -hmm. um, Cobra with Zorn mm -hmm. um, and working with Fred Frith and Tom Corrin's Skeleton Crew, so like, and working with Chris Cochran. I was doing gigs with the acoustic harp and very soon realized that most of the time I'd be playing my fingers off and you 
could not hear me and mm. only hear me like you do an orchestra when everything clears out and you hear the glissando by the harps <laughs> play and it's beautiful and then everyone comes back to play and then you don't yeah. hear them anymore until it clears out again. Yeah. So the that model was just carrying over in this completely different kind of music and it was also the blonde girl with mostly guys so yeah. it like on every level it was such a bad model yeah. to be reinforcing on on so many fronts so the first idea was that yeah i've got to play louder i have to have have more access to being heard and also i also wanted to do things that only you can do with electricity mm-hmm. like different kinds of processing i was really interested in expanding the instrument so first there were pickups that failed because it just made the harp sound terrible and in those days there were no you couldn't go to Kamek or Line and Healy and say I want an electric harp there were no electric harps that was going to be my next question the first thing was that when I was with Skeleton Crew they really wanted me to play harp and so I conspired mostly with Tom Cora and we decided to just bang one together you know just to it was see made out of two by fours, two by fours, and you know, secondhand pickups, and, and you know, pretty much yeah. like eye hooks, and you know, <laughs> used guitar strings. It was very mm-hmm. abject, but as soon as we built it and I started using it, it was so obvious. Again, another obvious thing, like this idea is really going to work. Mm-hmm. So then we decided to we called. Ken Parker, who makes the Parker Fly guitar. He was living in Connecticut, and we asked him if he'd be interested in using this, the thing that we have as a prototype, would would he be interested in making us a quote-unquote real instrument? And he was totally excited, and he made one in like 20 hours. (laughs) And I wanted a whammy bar that day, and he was willing to put a whammy bar. I'm familiar with your whammy bar. So um, so it was a 23-string instrument, and with three outputs and so it it afforded a lot of possibility for like processing different kinds of processing different diffusion and speakers Mm -hmm. and um that's the instrument i used for many years that instrument got kind of upgraded by douglas henderson who is not a instrument maker by trade but is a incredibly talented instrument maker Mm -hmm. secret secretly incredible Mm -hmm. and he said well if you put ebony over here and if you take out some wood (laughs) over here and if you replace where the pickups he's also an electronics guy he upgraded that instrument and then finally after i'd been working with bjork for years and had some access to i was able to pay him to make a new instrument from scratch so he made the one i currently use which is i consider pretty perfect
Zena Parkins on the electric harp with an ensemble recorded by Roulette in 2004. This program of the music and origin story of composer-performer Zena Parkins is made possible in part with support from the National Endowment for the Arts. This is David Weinstein for Roulette in Brooklyn. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to The Roulette Tapes, a program of adventurous music and conversation. This series is produced by Roulette Intermedium. You can find thousands of concert recordings from Roulette's archives and news of upcoming events at roulette.org. <laughs>